Chapter 11 of The Silver Princess in Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Silver Princess in Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. The Field of Feathers. Good capers, everything's pink, marveled Randy as Kabumpo, still muttering and snuffling, pushed his way through the last fringe of the forest. So now we're in the pink, eh? With a last convulsive snort, Kabumpo stuffed the handkerchief into a lower pocket and trumpeted three times for a thun to hold. Are those flowers, do you suppose? May I see one of them, my dear? Catching up with the little princess, who was already on the edge of the field, Kabumpo took the long spray she had picked and passed it back to Randy. My goodness, it's a feather! The largest and finest I've ever seen, Randy said in surprise. Hey, I always thought feathers grew on birds, yet here's a whole field of feathers, Kabumpo. Imagine that, and taller than I am, too. Well, there's no harm in feathers, observed Kabumpo jocularly. Pick a plume for your bonnet, my child. The girls in our countries adorn themselves with these pretty fripperies. I've even worn them myself at court functions, he admitted self-consciously. But do you think you can hold a colt's head up as we go through? Burnt feathers smell rather awful, and we don't wish to anger the owner or spoil his crop. A bit confused by the word owner and crop, Planety nevertheless caught the idea and explained it so cleverly to Thun, the thundercold started through the field, holding his head high and handsome so that the flames spurted upward and not down. It was rather like ploughing through a wheat field, decided Randy as Kabumpo, treading lightly as he could, stepped after Thun. It was, though, more like a sea of waving plumes, endlessly bending, nodding and rippling in the wind. Planety gathered armfuls of these bright, newest treasures, liking them almost as much as the flowers in the forest. Thun, for his part, found the whole experience irksome in the extreme. These pink feathers give me the big pain in the neck, he puffed up indignantly as he trotted along with his head in the air. Planety, reading his message with a little smile, was astonished to hear a series of roars and explosions behind her. Surely Thun's remarks weren't as funny as all that. Turning round, she was shocked to see Kabumpo swaying and stumbling in his tracks, coughing and spluttering, and torn by such gigantic guffaws he had already shaken Randy from his back. The young king himself rolled and twisted on the ground, fairly gasping for breath. It's the feathers, he gasped weakly, as Planety, leaving off the thundercold, ran back to investigate. They're tickling us to death. Get away quickly, Nettie, dear, before they get you. Oh, <laughs> oh quick, before it's too late. Oh, <laughs> I shall die laughing. To the start of the little princess, he appeared to be dying already. No, please not, she cried, dropping her armful of feathers. With surprising strength, she jerked Randy upright and in spite of his continued roars and wild writhing, managed to fling him across Thun's back. Now Kabumpo was down, kicking and rolling hysterically. It seemed to Planety that the feathers were wickedly alive and tickling them on purpose. They tossed, swayed and brushed against her and Thun too, but having no effect on the metallic skin of the others, curled away in distaste. Stop! Stop! I hate you! screamed Planety, stamping on the bunch she had picked a moment before then struggling in vain to pull Kabumpo up by his trunk. Thun! Thun! What shall we do? Racing back to the thundercold, Planety tapped out all that was happening to their best and only friends, holding the convulsed and still laughing Randy in place with one hand as she did so. 
Thun, from anxious glances over his shoulder, had guessed more than half the difficulty. Search in the Kabumpti's pocket for something to tie around him so I may pull him out of the feathers, flashed the thundercolt, swinging in a circle to prance and stamp on the plume still curling down to tickle the helpless boy on his back. Feeling in Kabumpo's pockets as he tossed and lashed about was hard enough, but Planety, who was quick and clever, soon found the long, stout, heavily linked gold chain Kabumpo twisted round and round his neck on important occasions. Slipping the chain through his belt, the little princess clasped the other ends round the thundercolt's chest, making a strong and splendid harness. Then, mounting quickly and holding desperately to Randy, Planety gave the signal for Thun to start and away through the deadly field charged the night-black steed, burning feathers left and right with his flashing breath and dragging Kabumpo along as easily as if he had been a sack of potatoes instead of a two-ton elephant. The feathers bending beneath made the going soft, so that the elegant elephant did not suffer so much as a scratch, and Thun galloped so swiftly that in less than ten minutes they had reached the other side of the beautiful but treacherous field. Going half a mile beyond, Thun came to an anxious halt, the golden chain falling slack around his ankles, while Planety jumped down to see how Kabumpo was doing now. The elegant elephant had stopped laughing, but his eyes still rolled and his muscles still twitched and rippled from the terrible tickling he had endured. Randy, exhausted and weak, hung like a dummy stuffed with straw over the thundercolt's back. "'Oh, we were too late, too long,' mourned Planety, wringing her hands and running distractedly between the elegant elephant and the insensible king. "'Oh, my netness, they will become stiff and still as nothers deprived of their springs,' she tapped out dolefully to Thun. "'Do not be too sure,' the thunder cold puffed out his message slowly. "'See, already the big Kabumpty is trying to rise.' "'And such indeed was the case.' Astonished and mortified to find himself stretched on the ground in broad daylight and still too confused to realize what had happened, the elegant elephant lurched to his feet and stood blinking uncertainly around. Then, his eyes suddenly coming into proper focus, he caught sight of Randy lying limply across the thundercold. "'What in us? What in Ix? What in Eve is the matter here?' he panted, wobbling dizzily over to Thun. "'Feathers!' sighed Planety, clasping both arms round Kabumpo's trunk and beginning to pat and smooth its wrinkled surface. The feathers tickled you and you fell down, my poor Bumpo. Randy, too, was almost laughed to death. What does death mean? Planety looked up anxiously into his eyes. Great grump! So that was it! Great gillikins! I remember now. We were both nearly tickled to death and it was awful, awful! Not that oceans ever do die, he explained hastily. But after all, we are not in Oz, and anything might have happened. And what I'd like to know is how and if we ever got out of those feathers. Thun pulled you out, Planety told him proudly. And look, look, Bumpo dear, Randy's going to waken too. Randy, Randy, do you hear that? Kabumpo lifted the young king down and shook him gently backward and forward. This cult of Planety's, this thunder cult, all by himself, mind you, Pulled us out of that infernal feather field. You and me. But mostly me. Now tell me, how did he manage to pull an elephant all that way? Randy, only half comprehending what Kabumpo was saying, said nothing. But Thun, guessing Kabumpo's question, threw back his head and puffed quickly. We nothers are strong as Iron Master. Strong for ourselves, strong for our friends. Thun, the thunder cold, will always be strong for Kabumpti. 
Strong! Strong? Why, you're marvellous! gasped the elegant elephant. Placing Randy on the ground, he fished jewels from his pocket with a reckless trunk till he found the band of pearls to fit Thun. Then, carelessly risking the sparks from the thundercold's nostrils, he fastened the pearls in place. Tell him, tell him thanks, he blurted out breathlessly. Tell him from now on we are friends and equals, friends and warriors together. With a pleased nod, Planety translated for Thun, and the delighted colt, tossing his flying mane, raced round and round his three comrades, filling the air with high-flown and flaming sentences. Friends and warriors, he heralded, rearing joyously. Friends and warriors! By this time, Randy had recovered his breath and his memory, and felt not only able but impatient to continue the journey. The field of feathers could still be seen waving pink and provokingly in the distance, but without one backward glance the four travellers set their faces to the north. A few of Chiliwala's boxes had been crushed while Kabumpo rolled in the feathers, and he and Randy still felt weak and worn from their dreadful experience. But these were small matters when they considered the dreadful fate they had escaped through the quick action of Planety and Thun. I always thought of Ix as a pleasant country, sighed Randy as Kabumpo moved slowly along a shady bypath. I don't believe this is Ix, stated the elegant elephant bluntly. The air is different, smells salty, and this sandy road looks as if we might be near the sea. I think myself that we've come north by east through Ix into Eve, and we'll reach the nonestic ocean by evening. Kabumpo paused to peer up at a rough board nailed to a pine. So, you got through the feathers, did you? sneered the notice in threatening red letters. Then so much the worse for you. Beware, watch out. Glutwig the Glubrius has his eye on you. Glubrius, sniffed Kabumpo, elevating his trunk scornfully as Randy read and reread the impertinent message. I don't recall anyone named Glutwig, do you? Sounds rather awful, doesn't it? whispered Randy, sliding to the ground to examine the billboard from all sides. Say, look here, Kabumpo, there's something on the back. It's been scratched out with red chalk, but I can still read it. Then read it, advised Kabumpo briefly. This is the land of Eve. Everybody welcome. Take this road to the castle of the Red Jinn. Oh, that means we're almost there, exulted the young king. But his joy evaporated quickly as he reread the other side of the board. Looks as if someone has switched signs on Jinniki, he muttered, pushing back his crown with a little whistle. Do you think anything has happened to him? Probably some mischievous country boy trying out his chalk, answered the elegant elephant, not believing one of his own words. Straight on, my dear, he called cheerfully to Planety, who had pulled in the colt and was looking questioningly back at them. At last we are in the land of Eve, and just ahead lies the castle of our wizard. Oh, Bumpo, how night! Planety hugged herself in pure joy. I've never seen a castle. I've never seen a wizard. But Kabumpo worried Randy as the little princess of another planet galloped gaily ahead of him. Suppose this Gludwig really has his eye on us. Suppose he rushes out before we can reach Jinniki's castle. Well, that will not be very nice, will it? The elegant elephant spoke ruefully. But what can we do? Are we going to stop for a mere sign? No, declared Randy, feeling about for his sword. Of course not. But I'll wager a willikin he was the fellow who planted those feathers. Very likely, agreed Kabumpo, pushing grimly along through the sand. End of chapter 11